In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Repent, thunders John, because the Messiah is coming. Repentance is a prelude to receiving the more powerful one who will not give us a ritual cleansing in the Jordan River, but will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Repentance clearly clears the way for the baptism of the divine, the Holy Trinity in our lives. What then is baptism? Last Saturday, Tammy and I were with some friends who go to Church of the Savior, and they have their service on Saturday evening, and they brought with them a bulletin, and the image on the cover of the bulletin had been done by a, a teen at the, at the church, and it showed uh, a, a viper being held by, by hands and being dropped into, lowered into the Jordan River. It was a striking image. I wish I could show it to you now, a striking image. Uh, the viper being about to be lowered in the water. You brood of vipers, thunders John. Imagine designing an advent calendar. You open one of those cute little windows, and there would be John the Baptist glaring at you, saying, you brood of vipers. <laughs> a baptism is a process by which the serpent in us is immersed in the water and emerges a human being. We, we tend to associate the, uh, the serpent with Satan, you know, with pure evil. If that's the case, when John calls the people at, at the riverside vipers, he would not also call them to repentance. Satan, uh, Satan and evil have no capacity for repentance. Evil is a complete petrification of the heart. And so John calling the crowd vipers is both a warning and an invitation, an Advent invitation. Uh, first, a warning about the snake within us, not outside us. At boarding school in, in Malaysia, we had a, I was 11th grade, we had a, a cobra infestation. I call it an infestation to heighten the drama here. Uh, but, the, but, the, but they did find a nest of cobras. And before we hopped into bed at night, we had to look for cobras in our sheets. Um, I think we said our prayers before we did that. I'd maybe I'd... Be that vigilant about the snakes within. You brood of vipers is a warning against the human proclivity to evil, which is psychological, uh, spiritual, personal, and internal. It is beneath the consciousness. Evil's ploy is to turn us bad, breaking bad, without our even being aware of it. More than any other time in the church's calendar, Advent, uh, is, it forces us to look at the dark side of ourselves. And part of the work of discernment is to test the spirits within us to determine whether they are snaky or, or heavenly. The axe is laid at the root that doesn't bear fruit befitting repentance, John the Baptist says. Each of us has a root sin, which is constantly trying to take root, and, and with which we will probably wrestle for the entirety of our lives. In his first epistle, uh, St. John, Epistle St. John reflects on three root sins, uh, vanity, Pride and sensuality. As a root sin, pride uh, means being attached to our own importance and self-sufficiency. Vanity is being attached to what others think of us. And sensuality in this context is being attached to pleasure. And our root sins can manifest in the most subtle of ways. I was studying this list of root sins. I said, oh, I think I've got all three. But vanity might be my biggest one. Um, 
It came to me, uh, it visited me, it emerged in me. We were, I was moving the office with Darrell Marcus and Jennifer Merck the other day, and uh, the other night, and we were bringing our stuff over to the new office, and, and uh, leading up to the office door is a, is a handicap ramp, and there was a railing there, and I said, I don't need to go up the ramp, I'm just gonna vault over the railing, and I hope Jennifer and Darrell are looking. <laughs> <laughs> and I had just gotten my booster shot, and, um, and I vaulted, and I barely made it over, and my, my shoulder was, was hurting like crazy, but I thought, I'm not going to show them that. And uh, the sad thing is, I don't even think Jennifer or Darrell even noticed me vaulting over there. <laughs> Vanity is the little things, isn't it? Uh, John is yelling, wake up to the snake within you, and then repent of the snake within you. The flip side of this warning, of course, is the invitation to repent. That's what warnings are for. Stop what you're doing. Many years ago, when my daughter was a teenager, and driving cars before she understood them. She called me and said, hey, Dad, this little light came on in my dashboard. And I said, well, what does it say? I asked. Well, it says oil. I said, how long has it been on? Well, a few days. And now my engine is making these clunking, grinding noises. <laughs> Way to get her a new car. Pay attention to the warnings. That's the negative part. Stop, pull over, don't keep doing what you're doing. Don't keep going where you're going. It's way is death for car engines, for human souls. The axe is laid to the fruit, uh, to the root of the tree is a warning. The axe has not yet bit into the root. And the root of the problem is the root. We need a root change. And Advent repentance also brings us to the positive side of this warning. The invitation to be baptized. To slither down to the water and be fully immersed in the depths until the viper in us drowns and we emerge as a new creation. Going a snake, come out a human. That is a baptism of repentance. In his book, Being Christian, Rowan Williams writes that baptism draws around itself the very powerful symbols of water and rebirth, rebirth as a daughter and son of God, as Jesus himself is a son. Baptism then is a re restoration of what it is to be truly human the human identity that God intended for us but has been forgotten, has been abandoned, corrupted, and compromised. And this is why it's so interesting in the New Testament and other early Christian literature, baptism is mentioned more frequently than the Eucharist. That's because baptism regenerates us in, to begin our life with Christ and in Christ, and it also then awakens our appetite for the Eucharist, for the heavenly nourishment to nourish us in our continued life with Christ. And for John, baptism is not primarily a rite of purifying, which we would then have to do constantly, like bathing to get clean every day. It is rather a rite of preparation for the perfect one who purifies us, not by changing our external behavior, but by transforming our inner lives. And when I first read this passage earlier this week, I thought, well, John is preaching to us to get our act together. Well, that's good uh, as far as it goes, but it doesn't go nearly far enough. There's an infinite gap between getting our act together and living a new life. Why do we get our act together? Not to become a better person, but to meet the person who is coming to make us into new persons. Human beings, repentance is, is an act not of correction so much, but of expectation, a longing for something more, something better for life itself. Last Sunday, Jim Beitler preached that Advent joy is a joy of longing 
the end of our longings is the Lord. Every good and gracious thing, the small moments of life, peeling a grapefruit, taking delight in that, stirs a deep longing for joy. And this Sunday, the unsettling words of John, you brood of vipers, brings us to another kind of joy. It's the joy of repentance. Because Advent repentance also manifests a deep longing, not just for joy, but for life itself. And so what do we repent of? Our sin. What is sin? Our sin stems from our desires. Our longing, our deepest longing for that which is truly and sustainingly life-giving. But that longing for that which is life-giving, the reaching out, it's been short-circuited by the forbidden, the enticing, the superficial, the shallow, and the ultimately destructive so that our desires become disordered, so that they become disorienting, and so that we become completely lost. Reaching for the wrong thing. Frederick Beekner wrote, Lust is the craving for salt of a man who is dying of thirst. So repentance is anticipating the one who reorders our desires so that we reach for living water instead of salt. Sin is a misguided a disordered longing for God, and repentance is a turning from our sin to the one who gives us life. Yesterday, I, I was talking to my son, Bentley. I talked to him almost every day, and I was talking about this sermon, and we recounted his story. Um, and Bentley, I will say this with a certain amount of pride, but because it, you need to know this, he, he graduated, graduated summa in performance, yeah, summa cum laude, a very difficult program, the only one in his class. But there was a time in his life when Bentley tried to convince himself a life of drugs was very possible for him. He was going to thrive and flourish. And at one point, we met with a therapist in Glen Ellen. And in one session, she put it starkly to Bentley. She said, she said, Bentley, keep on this path, and you'll be dead in short order. And Bentley only returned around when he realized his rock bottom would be death, and the road he had taken was not wide enough to sustain his life. It was sufficient enough only as a way leading to death. And he said, reminded me yesterday, he said, Dad, as I was sitting there in California, pot smoke coming up around me, bottles of beer, he said, Dad, I so badly wanted to live. Robert Alter notes that in Psalm 85 that we saying together this morning, turn back becomes a key phrase of this poem. It is used five times, including in verse 7, where Robert Alter writes, the idiomatic sense in context leads his translation, my translation, to render it adverbially as again, turning again and again. And turn, it's interesting, is a transitive verb followed by the adverb back. And it is the opposite of the intransitive verb to turn with the direct object, your back. To turn back is, is fundamentally different from turning your back. And as we turn back, God turns back to us, and when we have this turning, we are in right relationship, right life ensues, and kindness and truth meet, and justice and peace kiss each other. And Rashi, one of the commentators, as he, as he contemplates this, he, he envisions all of Israel, Every Israelite coming up and they're kissing one another. What a glorious scene. And the coming of the Messiah is a final and ultimate turning back of God to us and us to him. 
I think one reason why Jesus was baptized, if you give me some imaginative, uh, imaginative latitude here, um, is that he is there in the river when we go down to the river. It's meeting Jesus in the river, in, in the chaos, the mud, and the muck, where Jesus not only transforms us, but the entire created order. The early Christian mosaics depict this point by presenting Jesus standing in the Jordan River with smiling fish surrounding his feet as a Baptist pours water over his head. And it's in the river where we meet our judge. Not in the courtroom where Jesus is seated high above us on the judge's bench. The river of baptism is also the river of judgment where we strip, we strip naked. We are naked before God. And this too indicates a deep longing for repentance. The baptism of repentance. It's the longing to be judged. That is to be stripped bare, to be seen, to be known completely and still loved. And loved even more because of our sin and our nakedness and our vulnerability and our humanity and our desperate condition. To know me is to love me. It's a truism and it's so wonderfully true. Our desire for judgment reflects our intense longing to be known and to be loved, to be seen and to be loved and approved. I don't have to vault over railings to be approved. <laughs> and of course, the river, where does it carry us? to the cross where the one who knows us completely and loves us perfectly is the judge who is to come and has come and has given himself to be judged in our place. And what's fascinating is the river that carries, that flows to the cross also carries the serpent to the cross where the snake and the savior meet. Where the serpent goes, there goes Jesus. In one, in one of the more mysterious and, and fascinating turns of Scripture, Jesus says in John 3, 14 and 15, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of, Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is a strange way to speak about the cross, since it implies the identification of Jesus himself with the serpent. The serpent becomes the vehicle of repentance as we turn and look up to the Savior. The serpent within all our sin and shame, all the toxicity and the evil, all of it, it's, it's, they're lifted up and they're not just absorbed in Christ, but in Christ they become a means of healing in our lives. Oh, death, where is thy sting? The sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be assured that the day of his coming means that our Lord Jesus will not allow us to remain as we are. Even now, he is already beginning to refine us into his image and likeness. Amen.